Welcome to The Dream, The Date, and The Broken Bra. I am your host, Stephanie Brownyard. I am an insatiable desire for adventure and knowledge, and with this, I have been on a quest to discover what the purpose of life is and what it all means. In this podcast, we will embark on a journey, the journey of life. With my guest, we will share in stories and celebrate all that life has to offer, from the challenging times to the victories of one's dreams, love, and life experiences. Through authentic conversation and thought-provoking dialogue, it is my hope you will unravel and uncover the magic that makes your life so extraordinary. We all come from different walks of life with different beliefs, but we all have similar desires and Our paths are all so different, but yet we are all so connected. Let's come together to hear each other and to learn from one another and see the beauty in every experience, no matter how difficult or challenging it may be. In the process, we can all heal a little, have some laughs, and perhaps shed a few tears with a whole lot of inspiration. Join me on this exploration to uncover your magic. Are you ready? Hello, friends. Welcome to today's episode. I'm so thrilled you've tuned in as I have a special guest for you today, Master Nelson Montero. Nelson is one of the original pioneers of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the United States. Today, in our conversation, we embark on his journey to what has led to one of the most dedicated and most knowledgeable instructors teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu today. Nelson has dedicated himself and his life to his trade, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This passion started as a young man interested in learning Jiu-Jitsu to becoming one of the few that has been awarded a coral belt and the respect of being a master at his art. Just for some reference on what it means to be a coral belt and the dedication and time spent to being a coral belt, as you go through all the colors of the belts from white to blue to purple, to brown, to black belts. And once you receive your black belts, you are a black belt for 31 years before you receive a coral belt. So just for even just getting to your black belt can be up anywhere to anywhere from eight to 10 years. Um, So there is quite a bit of time and dedication put into achieving this goal. So this achievement and dedication is nothing short of extraordinary and not one that many can claim nor ever will achieve as it's it's a commitment, lifelong purpose, and a way of life. What I find so intriguing about our conversation and what has me really thinking is there are so many defining moments in one's life. Nelson had an interest to try jujitsu as a young man, and his father encouraged and supported him. This one choice led Nelson on a trajectory that he could never foresee to becoming a jiu-jitsu coach, moving to the U.S., and eventually being introduced to a man who gave him the opportunity to to impact a sport that he loved so much. As you will hear, Nelson went on to help creating the Abu Dhabi Combat Club, the ADCC, which evolved into being the most prestigious grappling tournament in the world, the Abu Dhabi Submission Wrestling Championship. This one tournament has impacted and advanced the sport to what it is today. What I find really intriguing and what I'm pondering over 
Is it that we create these moments and opportunities that life presents to us? Or is it that these opportunities find and these moments find us? If you're like me, you will love Nelson's energy and perspective on life. And knowing him, there really are no bad days, even though I'm sure he really does have bad days. But he leads by example and walking the walk and doing what he preaches and always with a smile on his face. Please share any words of wisdom or inspiration that sparks for you from today's episode at stephaniebrownyard at gmail.com. As always, I am so grateful if you feel inspired or compelled to share this episode with someone who could use some motivation or want to hear a really extraordinary story. It re- helps me to grow this podcast and it keeps ha- and it helps me to keep having amazing conversations with people like you. And please follow and rate on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for always inspiring me. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, Nelson. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good, how are you? I am so excited to have you on. You've been, I've been fishing after you for a while. I know. So <laughs> you've been playing these games with me. <laughs> but thank you, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for coming on because you have been a, like a profound figure in my life, in our community. And I know like what you've brought to the sport of jujitsu. And I think you're just such, I mean, I, you're just like a humble guy and like super grounded. And I just, I just want to share your story because I think it's, phenomenal that you've committed your life to the sport of jujitsu and shared it with so many people. And I think it's really profound because I mean, to kind of give people, I know our community knows, and I know the jujitsu community knows you, but also some of my listeners not might not know the extent of like your commitment and what you do, but you're a coral belt in Brazilian jujitsu in Gracie Baja and can you speak to that, like the normandy of what that is and your commitment of like how many years you've committed your life to jujitsu? Because I don't think a lot of people put that much time into something. Yeah, Stephanie. Um, I mean, first of all, it's an honor to be here to podcast. <laughs> I'm excited too, to uh, talk a little bit about, you know, I think that I've been doing for 41 years. 41 years, that's the time that I've been doing wow. jiu-jitsu. And then a um, few years ago, I was awarded to a uh, Koro belt. What that means, right? Koro belt. Koro belt is a belt after black belt, but it takes uh, 31 years as a black belt active for you to receive a Koro belt. So it's not just to become a black belt and then sit on a chair and wait for a quarter belt. No, you got to be active, training, teaching, you know, and as you know, I still competing at the master's division. So I love the sport. And uh, answer your question is uh, 41 years doing jiu-jitsu and uh, 31 years as a black belt and a few years as a quarter belt. So that's amazing. And then, so going back to that, when did, how old, and I, I don't know if you want to speak to this, but how old were you when you started? I started just when I was uh, 14, 15 years old. And did you, like, did your parents put you into it? Did you want to start it? Or was it, like, something, 
Like, did you love it when you first tried it? Like, what was it that had you yeah, the, want to try it? I, I remember exactly like was yesterday. Uh, we, uh, I grew up in Copacabana Beach, right? Mm-hmm. And back at that time, we had the, uh, let me put it this way, the gang, each, each street in Copacabana Beach, we had like a bunch of kids, like 14 to 18 years old, hanging out in the corner of one of those, uh, you know, uh, 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 streets. And uh, and we used to have a lot of fights, street against another street. But a fight okay. in a good way that it's one-on-one or a bunch of guys just, you know, scrumble on the street and nothing to do. So we used to play soccer and, you know. So it wasn't like you were, like, trying to kill each other? It was just... It's to just fight? fight. It's just fight. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's fight. Back at that time. And uh, I remember this guy, I remember his name, uh, Rodrigo. I saw him fighting one of the, fight a big guy. He was much bigger than him. And uh, I was impressed the way he handled the guy. And I was like, oh my mm-hmm. God, you know. And I remember after that, I was asking him about, say, do you do any martial art or and then he said about Grace families, like, yeah, I do jiu-jitsu here uh, at the uh, Grace Academy. And I remember that day, that night, I went home and I was talking to my father. I said, uh, Daddy, have you heard about the Grace family? And he's like, yeah, I used to go to high school with Hobson Gracie. Oh, wow. Which is the father of Hanzo Gracie. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, yeah, I would love to, you know, try. I know the school is right here, two blocks away from where I used to live. And my father took me to the next day. He's like, okay, let's go. And uh, he took me to the Academy Copacabana Beach. And uh, since then, I never stopped. I was in love. It's a love love story ever since, right? (laughs) Did you think at that time that it would like you would commit your life to it? Not really. Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, I remember um, I was trying to go to uh, 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 college that time. I mean, when I became 18, mm-hmm. I went to college. Uh, but as since I was training, competing that time. But, you know, uh, heavy minded that I was going to leave doing what I love, doing jiu-jitsu as a living. And no, I didn't have that in mind. Mm-hmm. And I was training every day. I was, you know. Did So did you go, so you went to college in uh, Brazil? So I went to college in Brazil. I did a physical <clears throat> education. And uh, okay. as soon as I finished college, was the time also that I received my black belt. And uh, I came to California. I wanted to surf. I wanted to, you know, see the lifestyle of California. I always grew up with friends talking about California dream. And, you know, so I decided to uh, come to California at that time. And uh, that's how I ended up coming to San Diego, specifically Encinitas. And the whole thing started from, from here. I love that. So I want to go back, though, because you so you started in co- I'm going to probably say it wrong. Coco Cabana. I like how I'm, I like it so much better how you say Coco Cabana yeah. Beach. <laughs> and 
you got into the Gracie family. And I remember I was listening to some stuff and doing some research that there were two different, was there two different schools within the academy that you, um, that you started at? Yes. Wow. You did a homework. Huh? I did. I did my home. I told you I've been reading up on you. <laughs> well, of course, of course. <laughs> that time, uh, my, my uh, instructor, my master uh, brother, Rose Gracie, Mm-hmm. Fortunately, he passed away uh, uh, when he was 33. And, uh, but he used to teach uh, uh, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturday. And then Castle Grace he used to teach Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, yeah, we used to split it, the, uh, the academy with Castle Grace. And then, of course, that time his brother passed away. Then Carlos took over the uh, the uh, the school, and then he ended up going to Barra da Tijuca, which is a neighborhood uh, uh, about twenty minutes away from Copacabana Beach. Okay, so going back when there's two different academies, are they the same? It was the same family. Yeah, they were cousins. Cousins. Of- so how the family is so big? Even the enemy being for all those I- years. The family is like so big. Sometimes I don't know if it's cousin, if it's brother. Okay. And they never like, cause I know Blair is like, you have to learn the lineage. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I get it. I just, I'm in my lineage, you know? <laughs> and, and I get it. Like he, and he, he loves, I'm committed to my lineage, but so he, like, I don't understand. So do they, each family member like develop their own like different type of jiu-jitsu? No, no. It's it's a different way to teach approach, but it just jiu-jitsu is the same. It was taught okay. Carlos or Helio. And then uh-huh. uh, Helio Gracie had many kids, like an example. Yeah. Voice Gracie, Horion Gracie, uh, go to that. Was there like 20? There's like 20 of them, right? Yes. Yeah. How many exactly? But that's okay. That's <laughs> and they can't count. <laughs> had other kids like my instructor Carlos Gracie Jr., crawling Gracie, Rose Gracie, and, and keep on. Uh, so the each one he start having their own like Hicks and Hoyle, their brothers. So they start their own uh, Grace Academy. They call Umaita. Umaita is another neighborhood in Brazil, in Rio. So they call Umaita, Gracie Umaita, which is a neighborhood, Umaita. And then instead, Carlos opened a Gracie Barra and called Carlos uh, Gracie Barra. That's, he, doesn't, he didn't want to put his name on it because, mm-hmm. you know, he wants to, you know, everybody to go to the school, not thinking about him, but I think about having a good jiu-jitsu uh, 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 classes in there, right? Right. So Carlos went to Barra, but the whole family, they have their own jiu-jitsu academy, their own jiu but it's the jiu-jitsu that was taught by Helen and, Gray, uh, and Carlos, which are the same. So are they rivals or do they, is it like a big rivalry, rivalry between uh, the different schools? They do, but in a good way, especially nowadays, you know, and okay. even back at that time, yes, was... Uh, but, uh, of course, like example, Hickson had his own school, his own students. Carlos has his own school, his own students. So he had tournaments there. 
Uh -huh. We put the students from Carlos, we fight the students from Hickson, then we fight students from another guy. So that's how we start having tournaments, right? Um, actually, uh, I heard a story from Carlos saying that's the start tournament because they used to go to Teresopolis. This is a mountain place. They used to have a house there. And so there are a bunch of the Gracie brothers, Gracie cousins, and I had a school. So they used to say, oh, man, I have this guy is really good in jiu-jitsu. And the, the other one, oh, well, my guy is much better than your guy. So what would be a good way to... That's crazy. It's a tournament. Let's do a tournament yeah. so I can show you that my student is going to beat your student. And so that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny because yeah. they're making it like... I'm a better teacher or I'm better at jujitsu and my, my people will prove it. Is, <laughs> is it like, so what had you want? Like, was it a conscious decision? Like when you, like who you chose, what teacher to study under, or was it just like you liked his style or the timing? Was it like a conscious decision of like who you studied under? Not really. When I started nowadays, yes, right? Nowadays you have, mm -hmm. you can Google it. You can, you know, find out which one, you know, fits you better. Mm -hmm. uh, that time he took that time you're going to start jiu-jitsu pretty much was the only school right Rio de Janeiro was there which is wild right there's uh, there are so many more schools now yes there yeah yes much more and uh, but at that time it was the only one it was the grace already you know the best school you could go yeah uh, fortunately uh, I started uh, with my right foot on it you know because I can imagine a better instructor than Master Carlos and, you know, all the lineage that is behind him of his father and family. So, And that's so amazing because when you started, you're literally learning from him, uh -huh. right? Yep. That's amazing. And so you started at 14 and then you went by the time you graduated from college, you were a black belt. Yes. And then you were just like, I'm going to move to California. Uh -huh. Like with nobody, did you know people in California? Or you're what? just like, why California? I didn't want to move here. I just wanted to come over and, you know, spend a few time here just surfing and, you know, get to know California. Oh, wow. And I fell in love with this place. And uh, uh, actually, I land in LA. LA, I went to San Clemente for three days. And then I had a guy that I, not even my, I know, I knew the guy and he offered for me at that time and my wife to stay over at his place for a few days. And then we ended up coming to uh, Encinitas. And then from uh, Encinitas, uh, we stay and, you know, we decided to stay longer and longer and, you know. Okay, so you got married, like, so... Were you married in Brazil? No, it was a girlfriend, actually. Okay, okay. Then we ended up getting married. Okay. Years later, but, um, you know, we came and started living together. I mean, marriage to me is, you know what I mean? It was there at that time. But uh, uh, we, she, she was my girlfriend at the time. And okay. So you came to America together. We, she came with you when you came? Okay. Yes. And then you... So you went to school and you're just going to spend some time here and then you wound up staying and you moved and then you ended up staying in Encinitas. Yes. And then you were like, 
what we're trying to figure out what you would do to like make money or like how to survive. Yes, I have a few jobs like uh, a pizza hut. I was delivering pizza. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) And still, and you were still training because I'm assuming at that time, like was jujitsu wasn't very like popular. No, not at all. You can eat. Not at all. I know. That's great. I love your stories too. And of course, we're going to get into those stories of like when you started teaching and um, all that. But so you came here, you're doing all these odd end jobs. Yeah. And you started teaching because you're training and you have no one to train against, right? No, because the whole whole thing started going to I was, uh, that time I was delivering pizza and I was delivering newspaper. And uh, from San Diego Tribune, that time. Uh-huh. And uh, a friend of mine lived in San Diego, PB. He used to live in this house and he put some mats at his house. And uh, he invited me to go and start teaching him, him and his brother. Mm-hmm. Is he American or Brazilian? No, Brazilian. He was in college here. He was- okay. And... Uh, so I ended up going to his house twice a week to teach him and his brother. And then a lot of Brazilians started showing up, friends and, you know, friends of friends. And then when I saw, I was teaching like for 10 guys, 15 guys <clears throat> in the garage. And then... But all Brazil, but all Brazilians. All Brazilians. Okay. So, yeah. All Brazilians. <clears throat> and, and then I decided, you know what? I'm going to open a school because... You know, why not make start make some money? You know, teaching I'm mm-hmm. teaching those guys, so I'm gonna start charging, start make some money, extra money. That's gonna. I open a school, a garage. I rent a garage, two car garages in in PB, putting mats, and I start teaching those guys. And the funny thing was, when I was teaching those guys for the first month, I decided to do like. You guys can train for the entire month, but you pay me the end of the month. <laughs> oh, like you, you're going to love it so much that you're going to want to pay me. But they already training with me in the, in the mm-hmm. friend's house. So, and, and the, the day that I opened, I would remember like, I would say 20, 25 guys. Like, oh, man. Oh, cool. Bitch. Right? That time. Yeah. It was like, and then two weeks later, I would say 15 guys. And then I'm going to start getting close to the payment day. <laughs> oh, they'd go. <laughs> They're all gone. I was like, what? Then they come back at the beginning of the <laughs> month again. <laughs> I was like, and then, uh, and then I remember that this guy, Marcelo, he he's today, he has a he has a school today, Sorrento Valley, Marcelo Pereira. He was the only yeah. one that I continue coming and paying and you know. And some days I'll go there, drive all the way to the PB, and he's the only one in class. So I has I had to teach him like one on one, so it's private classes. And and then after three months, I said, you know what, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna close this garage. I'm going to rent a house at Village Park here in Sinitas. Uh-huh. And I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing, was delivering newspaper, delivering pizza. 
And if you guys start coming, you know, over my house to train, that's fine. I'm already at my house. You know, who cares, right? Were you gonna try and were you gonna charge them at the beginning of the month? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, was gonna come here, they gotta pay right away. Yeah. And uh, I opened a the garage. I, I rent a house there with two car garages. And um, believe it or not, guys that are when I was there, they are not coming. Now they are driving all the way to Sinidas and paying advance. Yeah. And oh, I love that. I remember to, uh, uh, in a, in it was less than a year. I had the city hall knocking my door. They gave me thirty days notice to leave the to uh, stop what I was doing in the garage because I had so many students and the neighborhood start complaining. All the neighbors calling them, hey, because guys parking the street and you know. And are they are they at this point? Because also just to go back, Marcelo was actually Blair's first teacher. Yes. So that's cool that you you taught Marcelo. So what are they all Brazilians at this time, or now are you getting more? You're getting it was more Americans than Brazilians. So how did you like? How did you start building? Was it just word of mouth that people? That is, that's awesome. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. One American would bring a friend that, you know, usually they will bring a big guy because they'll say, man, this, you know, not your big guy and put a choke all over me. So the guy will come, I'll take them and wrestle with those guys and, you know, choke them left and right. And, and then they all hooked. They will come and bring another friend. Yeah. That's how, you know, I build my... Uh, and- and are you like building the curriculum at this time? Or are you learning the curriculum from Carlos or like, how are you like learning how to like take what you've learned through this journey of becoming a black belt to now like teaching somebody? It's, it's from my mind whatever would come mm-hmm. to my mind at that time. Like, you know, mm-hmm. of course you have ideas, <clears throat> but the be- well, positions that uh, you should be teaching beginners right like mm-hmm. bridge you always mm-hmm. have you know basic uh fundamentals uh, uh fundamental uh techniques but it was out of my mind we didn't have curriculum that time it was just you know whatever <laughs> and i love like because this recently you gave i think i forget what degree was but one of your black belts now he came to our school to get was it his second degree I forget what degree it was but he was like one of your first students and I loved I love your stories about like your students that you've had for so long coming back and getting their their degrees on their black belt and hearing your stories of like when you used to train in your garage and stuff was it like I know now we have a curriculum that we follow and there's like order was it like more hardcore I always just hear like in the old days we were just hardcore and just went for it versus now i don't know if it's like i don't want to say softer because it's it's you know they called the gentle art but like like, was it more hardcore back then (laughs) we did have that's how we learned right we used to be more like you go in and you do your own warm-up and then you roll that's how you learn that is the way we do today, definitely, if I have to choose, I'll pick this today because it's easier for you to learn the technique and it's used for you to, you know, you can see the achievement like coming, oh, I want to 
get the belt. Oh, I'm going to get a stripe on this. We didn't have that. It was pretty much just roll, roll, roll. And, you know, I think today it's much easier for everybody, for the instructor, for the students. You know, you have yeah. a direction to go. You have before, we just, the direction is just train as hard as you can. It's very hard on the body. Mm-hmm. As you know, even then we have a curriculum, we have a classes, you know, uh, organized, we have, but it's still, it's, it's not an easy martial art. You know, maybe that's why it makes jiu-jitsu so addictive. So like you want more because, you know. Yeah, so, it really is. And honestly, yeah. I, like, I, I love this too. You know, when I did it, I actually had no interest in doing it. I thought I was actually going to do Krav Maga. I mean, I think you kind of know I had some stuff happen to me. Um, and, but it was like many years later, but I just felt like I was, like violated. So then I just went to, I was like, I have to protect myself. So I went to a self-defense class and I had no interest in doing it. And then I find myself in the class. And after a month, I was like, I was sleeping. I was waking up thinking about it. All I want to do is train because you're just like, oh, oh my gosh, this, like, it was so addicting. And then, and I used to get mad at Blair and I've, talked about this story on the podcast before like he would go for hours and I'm on like Saturdays and Sundays and I'd be like what are you doing all day and then after like doing the first month he's like come on 70 we gotta go because I was now the one at school just being there for like three or four hours and just like not wanting to leave and one I like contribute that to you and Hoff like just creating this amazing community like the people there it just does feel like home like going there and you know it's just you guys have created a phenomenal like just energy and presence there and you there is something really raw about the sport because you're vulnerable like people are in your space you're like have to trust your partner but there there's just something about it that you just get so connected with the people and you just because you have to trust your partner and you know there's just yeah, there's just something really raw about it and really vulnerable. That's really special. It's a really special sport. It's it's helped me a lot in my life and just opened my eyes to so many more things than I even knew. You know, it's it's been really amazing. Yeah, I think jiu-jitsu has this, right, that <clears throat> gives you um, uh, the sense of uh, family, right? Sometimes you say, man, this is my second family. For some people, there is the first family. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, another thing that I still it, it, I know for a fact. I know for some guys, it's the first family. It's it's that yeah. Sign up for jujitsu. You're not just signing up for the techniques, and you know you sign up for jujitsu. When you say jujitsu is a lifestyle, just we, we do this sport. We do this that we know what are you you signing up for, right? Friendship is you having a bad day and. You know, always going to have someone that's to talk to you, to put a hand on your shoulder and comfortable you. And, you know, Jiu-Jitsu give you that. Give you whatever you need inside of the school you're going to have. You need a friend. You need a plumber. You need a lawyer. You need a doctor. Yeah. You have everything in the Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and that's why people don't understand when you said that funny. You say, oh, man, uh, Blaze used to stay hours there. You can't stay hours at Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> I, and half the time I'm not even training. I'm talking. <laughs> you know? And Blair always says, he's like, Stephanie, you're leaving like a relative, you know, because I just like, 
<laughs> I'm there and he's like, come on. Now he's like pulling me out. But it is, it's such a, and like we were talking this morning and I'm like, like, so why I started jujitsu is completely different to why I do it now. And it's like, it's become, it is part of like me, like a lot about the community and just perfecting the art or like, you know, it's, I want something different than why I originally started. And that's what's so beautiful because it is a journey, you know, it's, um, you know, yeah, I don't know. Contact, right? Is you touching the person and is you, uh, it's like, I, I tell, I like to say like, imagine your life today before jujitsu. Did you have, uh, especially when you already blue purple belt, right? Look at how many friends you have today. Through mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the, so if you take away from your life, think about before. You're going to be like, oh man, maybe I wouldn't have so many friends, good friends that I have today. And then take out Shuji, what I'll be doing? What I'll be, I, I, I can leave the, the, the day that I jiu -jitsu is not life. I think I'm going to be dead because yeah, all my friends. Yeah. All, all my <laughs> yeah. They won't let you go. Like, <laughs> I'll be in a wheelchair. I'll be inside the school talking yeah. with my friends, you know? Yeah. Just give us that. It's, it's, I know. And, and how, That's it's cool that you say that because I was like talking to Blair, I was like in preparing and I was like, you know, how does like Master Carlos, like he still trains and how old is he now? 66. 66. I mean, and again, like he's, does he train every day? Is he? Yes. Yeah. What is that mindset? Like, I mean, and it's, I guess you can speak for yourself because the same thing, I mean, you've been training for 41 years. There's got to be a mindset in that. And like you say, jujitsu is a way of life. Cause there's days I'm like, I don't want to go, but I'm like, but I have to go. And it's like, there's a mindset there and you've been doing it longer than anyone. Like, what is that like for you? Stephanie, I think injuries, right. Uh, specialists that we always, I know I also want to say, uh, especially you too, you used to do, you still doing, I remember it was cross feet or whatever. Mm -hmm. You always do something, right? Mm -hmm. And even then we do it in a perfect form. We take care of ourselves. We do one day our body is a machine. It's gonna we're gonna start feeling a little bit shoulder, knee, hip, back, neck, right? So what I always say is that I see still seeing a lot of this. People has a little pain here, pain there, and they think I'm gonna stay home, I'm not doing this. If mm -hmm. literally, if I stay home every day when I wake up, if I tell myself, oh, my, I mean, have pain today here and there, oh, I'm not doing anything. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do anything anymore in my life. <laughs> because right. today, that is something that I feel, oh, today's my nail on my shoulder, but right. I keep it doing. I keep, of course, in a good, uh, you needed to know, like, okay, I needed to take <clears> a break <throat> on this injury. I needed to, And I think also jujitsu, you start learning the way your body responds. You learn the way I should avoid today this technique, or I should not train it today. Let's do just the technique. And because if you rely on feeling pain, we're gonna be, I can tell, you know, all the guys that I know, especially Master Carlos, he's like that. If he's feeling really bad, he's low. I know he has a lower back problem. He won't train. But if his lower back's fine, He'll be trained. Yeah. So if his lower back is fine every day, he's going to be training every day. 
And I'm yeah. the same, you know. If I can, I train yeah. every day. Unless I'm really like my shoulder is sore or, you know, my neck, I don't have, you know, a good neck anymore. But that's how it, <laughs> that's my mind. Like, I got to go. I, I, I love doing this, you know. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I mean, I feel like people can be having injuries from doing nothing too, right? Yep. So like being sitting still, you can still be like feeling the pain. So why not be doing something that you love? And honestly, I think right there, if you have the context in your head of something that you love, your body will figure it out, right? No, especially jujitsu. You know, the only way to get good is consistency, being, uh, you know, um, uh, being doing this every day, training, and you know, you got to do something every day. That's my mindset. Yeah. If I'm not doing jujitsu because my shoulder is really sore, I mean, doing legs, I mean, doing stairs, I mean, doing something. I do yeah. something every day. That's my my mindset. I have to do something every day. And I think that's what's such an amazing example of you. And you are like, you're a master, you know, like you reached once you got your curl belt, you're considered a master yeah. right and what is what and what is that feeling like like what was the feeling like when you got when you received your coral bell i mean there I, there's got to be so much emotion in that it is it is it's a way to uh you know um all those years doing doing something that i love i love what i do it's like i don't have a job right mm-hmm. um being in the art for all those years, I saw a lot of transformation in the art. Um, I, I feel like uh, I'm going to live, the day that I die, I'm going to leave a legacy, which is the uh, ADCC. I start the ADCC. Mm-hmm. This is something that I'm, I definitely want to, I would definitely want to talk about that too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think uh, belt is important. Yes, I think it's accomplished, especially when you get a black belt, you get a coral belt. But the most important is also I see today that there's a lot of people receiving coral belts there that they are not training, they are not competing, they are not teaching, and they're receiving coral mm-hmm. belts just for the fact of coral belts nowadays. It's very like everyone that old school guys, but they I know for a fact a lot of those that I have a coral belt today, they stopped training for a long time ago. And today they're receiving. My point is that it's not the belt itself. Of course, I think it's nice, receive, deserve, but it's the, it's the feeling of you did something for the art. You know, it's not mm-hmm. a coral belt and like... Oh, uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it, like you gave back to the sport. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the, and that... That's cool because, I mean, not only did you bring, like, you've been a profound figure bringing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to the United States. Like, you've had a huge impact in that. But now you you went into the ADCC, which, of course, I wanted to talk about. And let's go there. So what is what is that? ADCC, the meaning of those four letters is uh, Abu Dhabi Combat Club, right? Abu Dhabi, mm-hmm. the capital of the UAE, United Arab Emirates, which is... I believe it's seven uh, cities that uh, makes the uh, uh, UAE, which is mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi, and then by uh, Bahrain, and then other cities in the UAE. Uh, 
And uh, I met uh, a guy here in California at my school that time in Del Mar. Mm-hmm. Because going back when I said the city hall knocked my door, I had to move. Oh, yeah. I ended up going to rent a place in Del Mar. Okay. And I uh, moved my school to Del Mar. Uh-huh. It was even before uh, UFC. UFC came in 1993. Oh, wow. So you're actually teaching Brazilian jiu-jitsu before UFC oh, even became way a thing. Before, way before. Okay. Way before. When it just is Awesome. Came, then was a boom, of course, helped a lot. Okay. I was way before EGCC. Okay. And, and so then the UFC happened and there was like an influx of people then. And then you're teaching now because the city came. You then moved your school to Del Mar and now you're teaching at Del Mar. And, you, and then one of your students came. Which he to, was, this was about 1991, 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the son of the president of uh, UAE. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he came, he, uh, he started training with me. I didn't know he. And what was he, what, what was he doing here? He was studying business. Okay. And, uh, he came to my school with another guy and, uh, he ended up signing up. He, I, he came in, I gave him the gi, and, and uh, took him to the mats. We roll. He fell in love. Did you know who, did you know who he yeah. was, like, when he came in? You just, like, he was any other student? He never told me until the day, until a week before he had to leave back to Abu Dhabi. Because he... And, of course, he it. paid you up front, right? He paid you up front? No. He, he, <laughs> he just, yeah, he... But the, the other guy that are always with him, uh-huh. the one that used to pay for everything. Okay. Was he his bodyguard? No, he was like his right arm. He's the guy that will do everything for him. If he needs a car, he'll buy a car for him. He needs this, you you know what I mean? So So he made him, and then so he made him train too? And he ended up uh, signing up to him and a bunch of the guys because he was in U.S. with a bunch of guys. Okay. And then he signed up and uh, we became really good friends. I knew he had money because he had a lot of different cars, like really nice mm-hmm. cars. And, um, and I used to ask him like normal conversation, what do you do in, on your country? He's like, oh, my, my parents is in the construction uh, business. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And then the day, I, and a week before he finished college, he was blue belt already. And then he made my business proposition to go to uh, Abu Dhabi with him. And then he told me that day who he was and, you know, his real name. That's... Because he used to call, we used to call him Ben. Okay. And so what's his real name? Sheikh uh, Tarnum Ben Zayed Onayan. Yeah, I'll refer to you on that one because I'm not even going to attempt to <laughs> I saw it. I, I knew that. I was like, yeah, I don't know how to say that. I'll call him Ben. <laughs> I, I remember he telling me he came in the restaurant, we in a restaurant having lunch. And then when he said his name, I was like, what? I'm going to ask him to say his name a hundred times. So, you said, 
<laughs> so he proposed to you to go to Abu Dhabi and teach jujitsu or start it start the fight club there? No, 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 no. Oh. Well, that time I was separating from my wife that time. Okay. Okay. And you had Vicky. You no, we, had your daughter. We didn't, you didn't have Vicky yet. No, Vicky born oh. in Abu Dhabi. Oh, she was? Wait, so you were separating? Yeah, we're separating. We separated for a year and a half. Okay, but did she go? So she, so she came with you, your no. wife. Okay. Okay. I have to come to come back to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to go because I was separating, and you know, uh, and then the UFC started. I was making a lot of money at the school. Oh. So, uh, so I said, uh, I'm going to... Wait, what, what, what was... Sorry, what was his proposal? His proposal to go to UAE and keep teaching him there. He wants to continue the class. Oh, he just wanted you to teach him. Exactly. Him and his brothers. And was he going to offer you like a good amount of money? No, that's, the, that's, what, I, that's what I was going to say. So uh. I didn't want to go, right? So I said, Tarnu, why you don't do something? I was thinking. I'm gonna ask him a lot of money because he asked me to ask him make a, a business proposition. How much would you wanna, uh, mm -hmm. you know? So I remember I came home and I was thinking. I said, you know, the guys the he owns the country, so it doesn't matter if you do an agreement, a contract. What he's gonna? What am I gonna do? Contract the guy owns the country, right? So I said. <laughs> I'm going to ask him a, a lot of money. And of course, he's going to say no. And then mm -hmm. every two, three months, I go there, spend two, three weeks and teach him and then come back to U.S. That was my idea. So I'm going to ask him a lot of money. He's going to say no for sure. And then I say, okay, why don't you do something then? Every two, three months, you give him that much and I go there and teach you and come back. So... Two, three days later, we had another lunch. So he's asking me, okay, what is your deal? What do you have in mind? I said, Tarno. And I told him that. I said, listen, you own the country. If I do a contract with you, my school hits booming. It's like, I make you so much money. Why am I going to go to your country? You know, right now. So mm -hmm. to be worse for me to leave all this, my school is, mm -hmm. I want it that much. Mm -hmm. Steph, he didn't even blink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I was like, oh, good. And I remember telling him the amount of money, and then he's like, okay, deal. And then I was like, holy. Oh, no. You were supposed to say no. Say no. Right? And then uh -huh. I said, you know, for that money, I, I have to go. So, the only thing he asked me was... Wait, and then did you also say that you're only going to go every two to three months? No, no. Then for that money, he wanted me to leave there. Okay. And then, Was uh, it like a certain amount of time that you were going to do that? Or was it like indef indefinite? No, the idea was he'll give me that much of money plus a salary. And every three months, I could leave for 21 days. Oh, wow. An agreement, cool. an agreement of two years. Okay. Uh, so he asked, I want you to go 
for a, a week. And then if you like, done deal. We close the deal. And how old is he? Because he's just graduating from college. So is he like in his 20s? Yeah, I would say we. I'm probably two years older than him, I would say. Today. Oh, really? So he was like going to school and he was like... He, he was... He wasn't like 20, 20 years Yeah. Tw- oh, okay. Yeah, 27, probably 28. So he could make that decision and be like, yeah, I'm going to pay you this amount of money, no oh, yeah. problem. He did. <laughs> and then, uh, he did. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I don't need to go to your country to see it. It's a deal, right? Okay. And okay, I'll go for a week. So I ended up going for a week there, came back. And, and, and I'm assuming he's paying for your living accommodations, right? Everything separately. Yeah. The only food, the only thing is food I had to pay. Oh, really? For my food, yes. The rest Interesting. for him. Car, okay. uh, apartment, I choose my apartment, I choose my furniture. I, he's, he paid for everything. And at this time, you're by yourself because now you're, what, did, and your wife didn't go with you? Yeah, but Lorena at that time, it was <clears throat> Brazil, Abu Dhabi, Brazil, Abu Dhabi. She helped me to find a place because I stayed for three months at the Sheraton Hotel. So, but you're getting separated and yeah. she was still coming with you? No, but we kind of back and forth. She'll come for okay. two weeks and then we leave to Brazil and yeah. Okay. Two cousins. So when yeah, so when you went for your twenty one days, were you coming back to the US or going to Brazil? Both. Sometimes I'll okay. pass and then I'll go to Brazil and then I'll cool. go back to uh, Abu Dhabi. Look at you. So now you're going and you're, you gave up your school. What did you do with your school at that time then? After we Marcelo Pereira. Okay. Yeah. And then, so then you're in Abu Dhabi and what's that experience like for you? Stephanie, it was, was awesome. It was, I had a, a, a life of a shake, you know? <laughs> but, and what is that? Like, what is so are you living in his house? Are you living on their quarters? Are you, you're like... No apartment. Depending okay. The area, you could live in Abu Dhabi. If, you know, it's, it's an area, it's called Corniche at that time. It's facing the ocean. I, I was living in this huge apartment, duplex, uh, you know, driving two cars. Uh, I had three, four employees at my house, work at my house. You know, nanny, we had maid, we have a uh, cleaner, we had, we had everything you can imagine, you know, plus the, the fact of anything you need, you do this, someone would, you know, do for you. Right. You, you work so for this. Did you feel family. lonely though? Like, cause I mean, I know you're, are you just, are you just teaching him at this point or is it, grow, are you growing a school there too? For the first year it was just him and, uh-huh. and I had idea to and then the first jiu-jitsu world was in brazil and i had the first jiu-jitsu world yes was in brazil is that like a competition yes which is okay most prestigious tournament today in jiu-jitsu, okay right okay and I, and that's all that's all the schools all like the all brazilian the jiu-jitsu schools yeah. okay around the world um and Just to give some context yeah. for listeners. People say, yeah. and then I took uh, seven guys from my school here in San Diego, and I took them to Abu Dhabi. I trained them, and then 
I flew. With, oh, really? Yeah. You So you but, took seven students from the U.S. to Abu Dhabi for how long? For 40 days. And they lived with you, I guess? Yes. To train them <laughs> to go to Worlds? To the Worlds. So you were still like kind of in contact. You didn't just like get up and leave your, yeah, Marcelo was teaching your students, but you were still like in contact yeah. with that? Okay. Yes. And then they went to Abu Dhabi. And then from there, went to Brazil for 30 days and all paid for, with Tarnu was sponsoring everything. And then we did very well. Uh, I had one world champion. And we have uh, oh. a third place, which is big deal too. So who is the world champion? Who was Sean Alvarez? Okay. Is this- and is he Ameri- Was he American? He was American. Oh wow! Yeah, he was American. And you trained him, and he won the world he- champion. And then you had a third place. Who was your third place? It was Mark Wolf? He lives in San Diego too. Okay. Do they still train with you? No. I mean, I don't. I they stop. No, Wolf's uh, not train anymore. And Sean. Is leaving Mexico now. Okay. So they won. And then at this point, is this like the first time they had the world? Yeah. Champ- is this like the first world championship? And it was in, in, Bra- um, Rio. in Brazil. And then you like train your students and then the Sheik was sponsoring them. Yes. How did that happen? I Like, how did he? I said, Tano, I think this is a great, uh, opportunity for us to show, you know, people is going to ask, oh man, those guys training Abu Dhabi and then we can have, which we did, every gi had the flag of uh, Abu Dhabi on the gi's, you know, representing Abu Dhabi. Mm. And uh, so we did very well in the tournament. When we came back, Tarnu wants to uh, me to do an MMA event in Brazil. An MMA MMA event in Brazil. In, Why Brazil? Because and not there. The UFC most best players <clears throat> in the UFC at the time was Brazilians. Okay. And so Tarno wants to do uh, uh, a tournament equivalent to UFC. So okay. let's start doing Rio Brazil, and then from there, if things go well, we can start you know promoting. You know, so we came up with uh, uh, a tournament, MMA tournament in Rio. Then I put a oh, lot cool. of guys fighting. Is that, is, that, is that called the ADCC or was it just something different? Okay. So now we never spoke, we never... No, 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 no. ADCC already was on the uh, guys because when I went there, we opened a school so we could be training those, those students of mine that I came from San Diego. And then okay. started the, uh, we put in the name ATCC. Right? Okay. Um, and, and then, so then you went to Brazil, went to Brazil and you were starting this MMA, MMA fight there. Didn't do well because it was a big fight at the end of the, of the uh, night with Renzo Grace and Eugenio Tadeu. It's uh, Luta Livre against Jiu Jitsu with Renzo fighting at the end. With Eugenio. Is like their match fight or like outside of the whole event, there was a huge fight? Inside of the stadium. Inside of the stadium. It was a big riot. was like crazy. How did you know like to like put people together to like 
is it just because your relationship of being in Brazil and knowing all the people that fight that you just like, how did you know to put a fight like a, a an event together? Yeah, being the environment, you know, you know, what's going on and who is, you know, that time, who is a good fight, what will be a good match, you know, plus you have friends to help you out. Okay, let's put it this guy instead of that one, you know. And so, so you put this whole big event together and then a big, a big fight broke out? Exactly. exactly. Oh, wow. That I've... was like, uh, definitely, we can't keep doing this in Brazil. Right. Because you know, wasn't the result we're expecting, and that's when then. Wait, but I'm so confused because, but didn't you want to fight, or it wasn't like they were, the competitors were fighting? It was it a fight like outside of the two people fighting? Is that what happened? Yeah, it's luta livre, students against uh -huh. who. Oh, uh, what's you know, what is the other one? It's called luta livre. What is that? It's kind of like uh, jiu-jitsu with no gi at that time. Oh, okay. So it was them again, and this whole brawl just broke out? Yes. yes. <laughs> it was like the whole chest flying, and, you know, it was a mess. It was a mess. What, like, what do you think triggered that? Was it, like, planned, or what happened? Because no, no. when you started this event, this MMA event, was it going to be no gi, or was it gi? like fighting because no you've only hey i mean there's no gi nothing it's just like okay because you've only trained have you only trained with the gi yeah but it, it doesn't matter you can even okay. ever did any martial art and you can put a mma together event okay you know? okay it's so it, that, it's so that happened and then he's like no go no go so then you go back like but he still wanted to continue to train Tarnou? Yeah. Yes, of course. So then you you went back to Abu Dhabi. I went back to Abu Dhabi and uh, didn't work out. Then he uh, he wants to do an MMA event in his country. He's like, let's do here. And then his father didn't like the idea because his father is totally against uh, violence. And he thought that it, uh, MMA is a violence sport. So he didn't. So we had to not uh cancel the uh, another MMA event in his country. Right? Oh, so you put it all together? Were you taking them Brazilians there? Yeah, I mean yes to do if it point you happening as then we yeah. the, you know, let's start okay, let's put it this fight, that one, but it didn't happen because his father didn't want that to happen. Okay. So we had to cancel the idea of MMA in, in Abu Dhabi. And then what happened? And then um um uh, after that that's going to the idea of do a tournament with no gi then his father would say okay because there is no punch there is no kicks it's just a grappling match right okay so that's when we came up with the idea of start doing the uh, agcc like the big tournament without no gi and uh that's going to agcc you know he offering a lot of money, prize. Until today, is the biggest money prize of any any event of pay. So it's everybody's dream is to fight the GCC, right? Yeah, and that's an invitational invitational event, correct? Yeah. You can invitational or 
uh, you fight the uh, the uh, qualify. You gotta qualify fighting. Uh, I don't. Each uh, country has their uh, qualify. It's a tournament that you go. You do like three, four, five fights, and then if you win, you have the right to go to a GCC. How cool is that? So you created this whole like tournament. How cool is that? That's so awesome. So you created this tournament and it's still going on today. So when, like, what time period is that? Every two years. No, like how long ago was the first one? Is like gonna, what time period? Uh, almost two years ago, because this year is going to be another GC. No, no, no. When was the very first one? Like what year was the very first one? It was in 2000. I was there 95 to 2000. Good question. I would say 1999. No. Yeah, 1999 to 2000. So, what year we're in 20? So, it's like over 20 years. Yeah. Am I counting that right? Over 20 years it's been going on and you created that. Yeah. That's so cool. So, did you start the rule? Like, did you put all the rules together and all that? Like, like that it's going to happen every two years and all that stuff. Did you set all that up? Yeah, every two years, yes. And the rules as the tournament start happening, you know, will change a little bit here. And then after two two more years, after my the end of my contract, I left Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. I know the the rules continue changing. Like every tournament is like IG, uh, IBJJF is like that. Every year they come up with <clears throat> as things start. I'm going, sure as it evolves. Evolve. Yeah. So is do you still have a part in in the planning of it, or are you like no, separated from it? Separated completely. I don't have contact with Tarno anymore. Unfortunately, uh, he became very busy. His father passed away. Uh, his position today in the country is very, you know, uh, high and, you know, I don't know even if he's still training. Training, yeah. So who carries on the tournament? Uh, He has, you know, people people running. Yeah. You know, as usual, they don't, even in the beginning, he always has people doing it, you know. Yeah. But uh, I know for a fact he's very busy nowadays, very, uh, uh, like I said, became very important on his country. Yeah. So what are going on today in the world for him to, you know, be uh, running tournaments? Yeah. Well, uh, I love that. And going back to what you're saying, like what your coral belt means to you is like giving back to the sport and what you were able to give and provide to it is not only like teaching. So, I mean, you've teached hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and like you have given so much to the sport is like, what do you like? Is that like, yeah, that's like your legacy, right? It's like, yeah, it's through Jiu Jitsu. Uh, I believe that our main uh, uh, goal here is to, as a human being, is to help, you know, and Jiu Jitsu mm-hmm. give me this tool to continue changing people's life, you know, I know through Jiu Jitsu. All those years, I haven't changed so many lives, and I hope to continue change until my last day. Uh, yeah, but and I totally get that from you. You know, like I said, you're 
like such a big deal, but yet you're so humble, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're just so fun and always so happy and like positive. And I just, I love that because you do you like you walk in, you're just happy and it just changes the day, right? If someone's having like a hard time or going through something or they're caught up in work and you just come in and you're, you know, you just have a flow about you that's just so you're like hardcore, but you're like, yeah, whatever. No big deal. <laughs> I'll just kill you. <laughs> <laughs> we have only one life. You got to do something about it. It's true. It's true. So when you came back, you were there in Abu Dhabi for five years? Almost no, four. Four. Four? Yeah. And then you had uh, Victoria when you were there? In Abu Dhabi, yes. Uh-huh. Which I know she's a love of your life. Yes. Yeah, she's such a beautiful, beautiful human too. And I've had and I was telling her, Oh, we're gonna be in a podcast with Stephanie. She's like, Oh my god, it'd be awesome. <laughs> I love her. I got to the funny circle about that is I used to coach her in CrossFit. So uh-huh, she's no, like yeah. coming to CrossFit. Yeah, she's a little ripper that oh. one. She's just like full of energy. Yes. I love it. And then um and then when you came back, you just took over your school again or did you have to start over or like what happened no then i went after abu dhabi i uh decided to go back to brazil Mm. i decided to go back to brazil then i stayed there for about five almost five years in brazil oh wow okay and then um i decided to come back to u.s that time I was in the process. When I left the U.S., I was in the process of a green card. Okay. When I ended up going to Abu Dhabi, I lost the, you know, everything that was uh, car. So I came to do a seminar, and then I saw a lawyer. And then my wife at that time was putting a lot of pressure for us to leave Brazil. So I said, listen, I'm going to go to U.S. now. If... The lawyer said, tell us, okay, it's good. I'm going to, you know, get you guys paper. We can go and try again. But otherwise, you know, let's forget about it. And then I came, I hired an immigration lawyer. And uh, three months later, he called me and said, listen, I have you guys green card. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's go. Let's try again. And then we came, came back to US. Vic was seven years old. We came back and since then we, we stayed. And I've been here. Yeah, yeah I love that. 20 years, I think. This How much? 20 years? 2021. 20, oh, since you've been back? Since I've been back. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Do you, so what do you, like, have you had, like, lows in your career? Or, like, have there been challenges that you've had to overcome? Or what are some challenges you've had to overcome? Stephanie, life is, is <laughs> right. And then I'm always smiling, and then, but you always have our, you know, moments of, uh, and yeah. Only, um, once but you I have get, jujitsu to get through it, right? And, and I think jujitsu gives us uh, that feeling of it's so related to personal life, like you being under pressure. You got to be calm, right? You got to be, uh, you can't give up. 
It always there's a way out. There is always, and jiu-jitsu gives you that. You know, the problem comes and you got to find a solution. Yeah. You got, uh, my yeah. outcomes is always like that. I always try to find a solution. I, I'm surrounded by good friends. Mm-hmm. Jiu-jitsu also gives you that, right? You used to say, oh, I have a good one. Good. I don't have a one good friend. I have many good friends. Thanks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, but uh, yeah, problem comes for us to, you know, a comfortable zone kill us. So I think all the yeah. problem comes to not let us be in a comfortable zone because otherwise, you know, you can grow. And yeah, life- I love that. Okay. I think that's such like, such great feedback because it is, it's like, I always say it's like being comfortable being comfortable in the uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Like in jujitsu. And then it, you can take that and translate that to life. And I know like when I remember, I think my biggest lesson was when I was a white belt, I so want to go this one way because it was like all I knew. And I'd get, of course, the training with upper belts are like, no, I'm going to block you that way. And then over time, I figured different ways. And I think that actually helped like my brain pathways to think that there are different ways to go. And then I started translating that to life that I, it's not always because I can, Blair calls me sometimes like the pit bull, right? I just, I want to, or the bulldog where I just, you know, want to go one way, but then I just started deviating a different way. Cause I was like, Oh, there, there are solutions. There are different solutions that there's a million different things that you can do. And, and you translate that to life and it's more fluid and flowing. And it's really, yeah, it is such a spiritual sport. It's it is. It's really beautiful. Sometimes the problems thinking about and this and that, and then uh, solution came. You you know, you're like, well, it's not a big deal. Why I was thinking like that, right? It's like you just said. You think back, and it's like, why I was worried about that thing? Now today, it's like we pass that. And life is all that. It's if you think like it's gonna have a solution, right? The only thing that is no solution yet. When do we die? I know I'm taking a lot of time, but I'm having so much fun. I actually have, I have like one more question for you. Cause I know, I know, you know, when Blair started jujitsu was like the boys club or I, I call it the boys club because, and when I started, I think there was like maybe four other females in the school. How is it now for you now that women start coming in and encroaching the boys club? Like, yeah, and I remember when I first started, Annie and I would be dying laughing like during training and you'd come and you'd be like trying to help and you're like, I don't even know what to do. You'd walk away. <laughs> we just would be dying laughing as we try to kill each other. Um, how is it that like women now are starting to kind of catch on with a sport and, you know, coming in? Stephanie, I think it's not just in jiu-jitsu, right? It's, if you go back in time, and if I would tell you, oh, man, one day women is going to be fighting the UFC and it's going to be the main event of the night, probably 99% would be laughing. Yeah, that's impossible. And to be honest, I'm not saying that just. There is a lot of women's fights that I don't change for any man's fight. Women goes out there with a good show, good fight, a good heart, good so it's amazing so what i mean yeah. that any sport especially nowadays i think women it's more than deserve their spot on the sports and and you see all the like you said it used to be just a few of the school and now with women's program with any 
you know, yeah. I love that. She's our, you know, our fearless. Oh, you know, makes me so happy to see you guys in the court, <laughs> you know, and making that happen. And it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing to see you guys stepping guys in the school, you know. And I... <laughs> I'm not going to say names, but I saw she's taking the guy and I can't tell she's really taking the guy. Yeah. So like guys, it's letting take. No. And I think this is awesome. I think it's more yeah. time you guys, you know, showing me the power. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. Yeah, I know. Taking over. And I know that's Annie's goal to like take over. She wants just as many females there as, as guys there. So. As Oh, Annie, she's going to de- make that happen. <laughs> I know she will. She will. I just, I thank you so much, truly. Like you've, this was so fun. I love learning about it. And again, I just want to honor you because you have given me so much. You've given Blair so much, our community. And I know like people are going to love hearing your story and just, I think it needs to be shared. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening. My hope is that this conversation has inspired you with a new awareness and has uncovered some beauty and wisdom within you. If you have enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share it with a friend and please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, please feel free to reach me at stephanie.brownyard at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.